This is a WTF podcast experience. Uh, and I also said, look, what, what's the one thing I looked for for hiring? Attitude. Simple as that. You know, if you've got the right attitude, the willingness to ask questions and learn, the willingness to accept that when you're wrong or you've, you've, you've stuffed up, you know, those are all the things I'm looking for in, in somebody coming up. And I'll give any young person that chance. Um, but attitude's everything. You can teach everything else. A collection of ferrets is called a business. And here on New Zealand's most awarding business podcast, we tame the ferrets once and for all. Entrepreneurs, leaders, inspirational figureheads are all welcome here to inform, educate, motivate and inspire. My name's Freddie Bennett, entrepreneur, author, Guinness World Record holder and wannabe podcast host. And today, folks, we have got a real treat for you. I am delighted to welcome here live in the Taming the Ferret studio, we have Phil Holland, GM of Minoki. Phil, welcome to Taming the Ferrets. Awesome. Cheers. Thanks for having me along. First things first, with me being an Englishman, I'm sure I've uh, mispronounced the business name. So, so inform me, Phil, how am I supposed to be saying it? Uh, you're pretty good, actually, and you can get away with it with the, uh, the uh, accent. Uh, so my Noki, so Noki being earthworm in Tereo. Amazing. So my earthworm. And uh, call me Sherlock Holmes here, but if it's called uh, my, my earthworm, does your business have something to do with earthworms by any chance? Just a, just a little bit. Yeah, not so much ferrets, but uh, lots of wiggly worms. We, uh, we think we have about three billion. Uh, earthworms on our sites but we don't count them obviously because that could take a while (laughs) amazing and believe it or not we have had some wiggly worms here in the taming the ferret studio but that is for another podcast um so for for anyone that that hasn't heard of your business and and what you do tell us a bit about it what what goes on yep in a very very quick nutshell basically uh we take a lot of organic waste uh, that would have been destined for landfill so whether that be your food scraps uh you know solids that come out of water treatment plants uh, fibrous type materials, cardboard, green waste, um, and we've got about 500 different recipes, so essentially we're a big kitchen. I, I like to call ourselves an entertainment business, we've got to keep these little Noki uh, entertained. Um, we mix it all up in, in, in our Allison Holst type cookbook, um, and then feed it out to the worms. Um, the worms then munch away through it, um, it's like a big party to be honest, mm. uh, they just come and eat, 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 uh, they do a lot of other stuff as well, um, and uh, grow the population more, um, more eating, uh, more of the other stuff. Mm. Um, and then out of that, they, what they poop out reduces the waste by about 80%. And then what we're left with is this beautiful uh, worm poo or, or vermicast, um, mm. which then we process and sell it to farmers, horticultural, retail, and even exporting now, which is really, really cool. Amazing. Very cool. And I, it may not be a shock to, to the regular listeners of Taming the Ferrets, but I am not... A, a horticultural or, or land or, or growing expert, um, but I do know, and people have told me that the um, that the, the stuff that comes out, the end product, is like sprinkling gold on um, on your on your garden, basically on your crops, on your plants, and everything. It um, it has really powerful properties, doesn't it? Hundred percent, yeah. I mean, vermicast, a, it's a, it's all natural, mm. uh, but b, you know, even just the, down to the fact it does natural slow release. I mean, if you look at the crazy stuff that's happening in the world, you know, like in the States, for example, they're, they're putting plastic around fertilizer to slow release. So then you're getting microplastics in the soil when the worms do that naturally. Yeah. yeah so the vermicast verma is just, yeah, it's a beautiful, natural, soil-enhancing, gross stuff like you wouldn't believe. I always say to people, if you don't like mowing your lawns, mate, don't put 
Don't put Vimagast on your lawns. <laughs> I think my kids might have got some on them recently because the way that they're growing and uh, and everything else. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And I do love what you were saying um, earlier on, Phil. Um, was it uh, solid waste from water treatment plants? And is that what I think it is? That is uh, is what I think. What you think it is? It's that stuff that hits the fan when uh, when it all goes wrong. But it's been processed, so it's not like you know there's a you know pure log sitting on the ground, <laughs> so to speak. We do get asked that a lot. Um, it's gone through a treatment process, and it's the sludge that comes out of it. Mm. Um, and and I guess our ethos is all around the soil. You know, yeah, we're actually a soil based company that that uses organic waste, or we like to call it organic resources, mm. to put stuff back into our soil. You know, and, and for us, we're actually all around preparing New Zealand soils for climate change. Because you may or may not notice that the weather patterns are changing. You know, so we're getting a lot of heavy downpours of rain, and, and this summer looks likely it's going to be a really hot, long, hot, dry summer. Mm. So we need our soils to, to be able to uh, retain moisture. Uh, we need our soils to be able to cope with those changes. So, And that's where the vermicast comes in. Mm. Um, you know, it's just massive for it. So yeah, a big part of that is um, it's finding those right resources. Yeah. It's just so much sitting around. Um, and Hamilton City, for example, Hamilton, I mean, love the Tron, right? Uh, they're leading the way in it. So we've been collecting the, all the biosolids, so we get two truck and trailer loads a day delivered wow. to our site in Tokoroa. You know, every day, two truck and trailer loads come from the treat, treatment plant and get converted into this beautiful vermicast. Mm. You know, and it's just, it's just brilliant. Um, so that's, that's really uh, fueling a lot of our growth around the country at the moment is, you know, just getting rid of that stuff that normally would just get plopped into a landfill. Yeah. Versus actually, let's use it to replenish our soils again. And that's amazing. How, how long does the process take between you kind of getting a delivery of, 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 of everything that goes into the vermicast to, to it all you know, coming out the other side and being ready to, to, to put on, on plants or be transported? Yeah, generally the process is around six to nine months. Mm. Um, it depends on the, the conditions, so for example, temperature. Um, so in you know, hot areas, so uh, I call them the Spanish worms. You know, they'll go down for a little siesta when it gets too hot down the bottom of the windrows and the piles of, mm. of waste. Um, again, in the winter. Um, so we've done trials, we've done work in snow. The worms will still process, they're just a mm. bit slower, like we are in winter, right? Yes, definitely. A bit like me before before lunchtime most and days, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's take a step back. And did 10-year-old Phil jump out of bed every morning and is like, I, Vermicast, that's where it's at, That that's my dream. Has this always been a goal or um, or, or did life start off a bit differently? Oh, jeepers no. <laughs> to be fair, to be fair was, uh, probably two years ago I had no idea a commercial worm farm even existed. Mm. Um, so little 10-year-old Phil was certainly not thinking about worm farming. I think back then I wanted to be a fireman or a pilot or a, you know, astronaut or something like that. Certainly yeah. uh, would never in a million years have thought I'd be, uh, you know, the GM and leading the world's largest worm farm. Mm. Yeah, that's no that's amazing. So how, what what was the, the career process for you then? I guess you went to school, left school. What what happened between then and now? Yeah, cool. So so I was uh, fortunate enough to go to Tarrant Boys College. Uh, mm. Great, great, great school that. Um, but when I left, I, to be frank, I had no idea what I wanted to be. Yeah. Um, I originally was more heading towards the town planning side of life. Um, and then realised that probably wasn't a wise choice, and uh, ended up doing two years of business here. And uh, at the at back then was the Bay of Plenty Polytech, mm-hmm. and there was a particular paper around uh, uh, investing that I really enjoyed. So mm-hmm. I went down the the BMS with finance route, and uh, came out of that wanting to be a financial planner. Um, and uh, so then I sent my CV around mm-hmm. to fifty people and. Anybody in the back in the days when you had the old paper yellow pages, you know, went through there. Anybody yep. that had anything to do with money, I sent a CV out to. 
Uh, so I sent 50 out, I got 49 no's, you're too young, no experience, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I had one gentleman, um, Steve Parr, who said, eh, come and have a chat, I don't have a job, but let's have a chat. And uh, over the course of about a month, we chatted, 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 and then eventually got offered a, uh, a, a role there. So basically, I was the, the bum boy to the receptionist, Lara. <laughs> I made a coffee. <laughs> I did all the photocopying, but it was a start. Yeah. And over the next 10 years, I, I helped to grow that business to be one of the largest financial planning businesses in, in the Tauranga area. Um, I then sold out of um, that business and uh, jumped out of the into the, the fire, I guess, into the into the world of insurance. Mm. Um, that was an eye-opener in, in many, many ways. They're the rock stars of the business world, really, aren't they? Insurance. Yeah, some would say. <laughs> <laughs> some would say. As I say, it was, a, it was an interesting journey through the next four or five years there. Mm. And again, helped to grow one of the largest, uh, what you call, independent insurance brokerages in, in Tauranga. Um, the wheels fell off that one big time, um, which was a, a real shame. Um, but in, in hindsight, it was probably the best thing that happened. Mm. And so from out of there, what I realised is actually I love growing businesses. That, that was where my passion was. Um, so then I morphed into consulting and business coaching, um, which I did over the last sort of uh, 10 years, mm. uh, and loved it. Um, through the COVID journey, that was pretty full on. Um, I think at one point I had 35 one-on-one clients for an hour a week. Wow. Um, so hour, hour on Zoom, um, plus follow-ups. And then I set up a small group that was supposed to be for my clients and, and my networking group mm. just to help navigate through the COVID and through, you know, the one o'clock briefings. Mm. Well, I think it was in t- within two weeks that group had about 600 business owners across New Zealand on. So Crazy. You know, so that one o'clock briefing would come, I'd sit there, watch mm. it, and then the, my phone would just blow up with, what does this mean? What does this mean? I said, well, just give me five minutes and I'll try and work out what the best angle is. So, yeah. Um, so COVID was incredibly rewarding um, mm. in that sense of helping lots of people. But to be fair, it was also very, very mentally and emotionally draining as well. Mm. Um, and, you know, when you're talking people off railway tracks, uh, business owners and that, that were just at their wits end, you know, yeah. that, that takes its toll. Um, and it was around that time that I, uh, I met Michael and his wife, Marlon. Um, so Michael's the founder of Mainoki mm-hmm. um, and uh, started a bit of coaching with them. Um, and yeah, long story short, uh, Christmas Eve 2020, I drove down to Taupo to have a look at the site um, and the Tokara site. And uh, it's the old story, you know, on a napkin. Here's a deal, and uh, and let's make it happen. So, so that was sort of how my journey. I never intended to be a worm farmer. Um, certainly, uh, never intended to be in the space. But uh, you know, life's you got to follow the follow your gut, follow your life's journey. Um, I love the that. Doors open, you know. I, I, I love that, and there's so many different directions that that, that we can go with this. Um, I think that there's so many. Um, I'm, I'm trying to make a uh, make a, a worm metaphor here. There's so many nuggets hidden in uh, in the vermicast. There we go. Uh, so many diamonds in there. So let's take a couple of different angles. So let's look at the, the financial planning. You were doing it for for ten years. Well, was there a moment? Was there a feeling when you were like, oh, I'm not sure this is where the future lies. Yeah, look, I, I loved it, and to be honest, I probably stayed a bit longer than I should have. Mm. Um, it was more the dynamics in the firm than it was the clients, and I love my clients, you know, yeah. and that's that's what really kept me there. And I, you know, everybody said as a young twenty, I think I started there when I was twenty, twenty one. Mm. Um, everybody said it wouldn't work. You know, towering is uh, you know retirement heaven of New Zealand. It's changing now, which is great. I've been told something very similar since I've been. Hundred <laughs> percent, you know. And if I think back, you know, twenty odd years ago, yeah. it was well and truly that, you know. And everybody said, "Hey, you're twenty one. Nobody will deal with you. You know, no retired folks going to give you millions of dollars to invest and, mm. and do all of that." And it, and it turned out to be completely uh, the opposite. Um, and I think that I learned a lot during that time around. Just you know, being a, when you're just being a 
be you, you know, and mm. most of my meetings would be you know, an hour meeting, half an hour of that would be asking my clients around the, who the grandkids and what are they doing and what's your next trip and mm. encouraging them to actually do trips while they can, you know, yeah, um, and spend a bit of money. You know, it was mm. amazing how trying to get these uh, clients to spend money was just mad. Mm. Uh, and then the other half just around the investments and explaining it in a sense where they could understand, mm. you know, and I think that was the what made me so successful in that era. Um, so, like, I won the Young Financial Planner of the Year Award. In fact, I'm still the current Young Financial Planner of the Year because I don't think they've had the awards again. <laughs> That's <take> it. That. <laughs> it's like um, undefeated. That's what. <laughs> yeah, 100%, you know. And so, you know, back then I had a young family as well, and mm. it was just, yeah, it was, a, it was a great start to my uh, ultimate career and gave me a lot of skills, that's mm. for sure. I think it's, it's a really powerful message because... I know a lot of people listen to this podcast all around the world, but but uh, here in New Zealand as well, that it's so easy to get deterred when people, they want to make a market life or they want to go either, you know, go into a new industry or a new job and people will say, oh, you know, it's the wrong town, you're too young, you're too old, you're the, the wrong type of person for whatever reason, the economy's not right, the government's not right, the pandemic's not right. There's always something. Always something. And, it, and it's crazy how... Um, People just try and, and, and shit on you. Like, no, I say people just try and shit on your dreams sometimes. And I think for you to keep on going and saying, not only am I going to keep doing this, but I'm going to be me at the same time. I think it is such a powerful thing because I mean, I've, I, I, I was in that world. I was in the you know the the consulting world world and the, and the business planning world, and and yeah, people were saying to me, if you were going to be successful, despite your age and your accent and this and that and that, then then just don't be you. Maybe if you're not you, then you, you might sort of try and fake it. And, and it's so easy, I think, for people to try and put put a mask on or put themselves into a mould and not be themselves. And it's so, and it's obviously a testament being the the undefeated young, uh, you know, young, young financial planner of the year that um, that that you can be that authentic version of yourself. Yeah, look, and it took a, took a lot of learning around that, um, mm. but it's also looking at taking advantage of those things. So, for example, you know, everybody said, "Are oh, you too young?" You know, nobody will take you seriously. I use that as an advantage. So every conference that I went to, I'd always pick out one or two, you know, guys that were in the industry a long time that were the top of the game. Mm. And, you know, normally at the conferences, you have a beer afterwards. So I sidle up to them. And because they didn't take me seriously, they'd tell me everything. Mm. You know, and so from that, that's when I formulated a lot of how to grow our financial planning practice and then ultimately the insurance business as well was mm. just purely from people not really taking me seriously. Yeah. Um, which was fantastic, you know. Um, and it's great. I think in, in such an ego-driven world, everyone's everyone wants to be taken seriously, and and you know, get especially uh, you know, these days with social media that you have to get the, the attention and the likes and everything else. But I think it's it's a really overlooked strength to be able to go under the radar, and and people are saying like, fine, laugh at me, don't take me seriously, it's fine. But then we'll see who's laughing in ten years' time. Oh, and, exactly. uh, and doing and having that approach and again that authentic approach I think is is really cool 100 percent yeah totally agree and then so so we went through the, the financial planning and then you say the the insurance and I've got to ask you mentioned the wheels falling off yep. <laughs> well, what kind of wheels was uh, was that and uh, and how uh, how did they fall off well normally uh, you know you get a little there's three stages of uh, of learnings right mm. so the four 
getting to that wheels falling off stage. So the first one, you get the old tap on the shoulder, right? You know, and most people ignore that. Mm. You know, then you get the four by two to the back of the head, and you get a bit of a headache. You think, well, maybe things have to change. Mm. Um, I ignored all of those, and I went straight for the Mack truck and trailer unit. Nice, <laughs> more like probably an Australian road train, to be honest. <laughs> and uh, to be honest, the wheels fell off everything. Um, so without going into too much detail, based on my marriage. Um, mm. I had some business partners who, let's just say, had a, a different idea of, of what morals are. Um, mm-hmm. and, and to be honest, I got sucked right into all of that. Um, yeah. I didn't like it, but I felt trapped. I had a young family, two mortgages, you know, my mm-hmm. wife at home, and you know, I literally felt trapped and I had to be at the work. It paid well, you know, mm-hmm. but the the morals weren't, weren't sitting well with me. Um, yeah. And that all just went up, exploded, in a, to be honest, a big mushroom bomb. Um mm-hmm. Ended up on the business side with a, a massive court uh, or legal case mm. um, of which we lost everything basically financially, um, essentially had to start again. Uh, same with the marriage, we were separated for uh, for about six months, um, which at the time was pretty pretty shit to be honest. Yeah. Um, but, you know, out of that came um, the marriage we have now, you know, so we rekindled and, and we've really grown our marriage. To, Is it with the same partner same you are? Partner, yep. That's amazing. Married twice the same woman is great. Um, and she's a real gem, you know, and, mm. and from that we both learned about ourselves more. Mm. You know, I'm your typical, say, first lean prop from Tarrant Boys College, right? Blokes don't think about what's going on emotionally a lot. Um, <laughs> we don't uh, take that step back. Mm. Uh, we don't learn about ourselves. Yeah. Um, and so through that process, I learned an awful lot about myself. Mm. You know, who I actually was, what I didn't like about what had happened. And I was pretty open and transparent about, to be honest, the crazy shit that I did do back then. Mm. Um, and when I look back, at it, it's just cringeworthy. But... It was the best thing that ever happened to me. You know, um, I I basically got forced out of an industry I didn't believe in. Um, and, when, you know, when you're sitting in boardroom tables of large insurance businesses and companies mm. that are offering you bribes and cash and trips and all that stuff, it was a real eye-opener, mm. you know. Um, but I, was, I got caught up in it as well. Totally acknowledged that. Um, so, yeah, 10 years ago was, was, was the lowest point in my life. Mm. But also, you know, back in hindsight now, is the best thing. So we rebuilt our marriage. You know, Phil now knows who he is and what he wants Mm. um, and what I'm here to do, you know. I had no idea what I was here to do. It was just to pay the mortgage and feed the kids. And, you know, I missed out on so much of their lives because I was just wrapped up in in all the wrong stuff. Mm. Um, So, you know, we really rebuilt our family and uh, and the marriage. And now doing, I'm following my dream, which is helping people. It's growing a business, you know. I never thought I'd be a worm farmer, right? But that's all about trusting my gut again, trusting mm. my journey. Um, and that's been a big outcome of it. I, I love that, Phil. And that's so, we could have a just a whole podcast on the last 10 minutes, but um, it's so powerful. And, 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 I, and I always say on this show, this is, this is about your story, not mine. But I, so much of what you say resonates with me because I've been there in the industries that yeah. I haven't wanted to be in and I've hated going into the office. But then you're saying, if you want the house and you want the car and you want the handbag and you want the holiday, then I'm going to have to go and make this sacrifice forever. And that's not a very nice way of living your life. And yeah, I've been with business partners that I've, I've walk around with knives in my back half the time that they've given me the whole Julius Caesar treatment uh, so many times. And, um, and it's so easy to get defeated by those moments. And I think especially if you, and again, I've been in places where I've pretty much lost everything and I think as you say there's 
I think there's an angle for men as well. Like you mentioned earlier, we don't always talk enough as, as everyone always says we have like our ego and our pride and everything. And I think especially if you've been, uh, potentially in situations where you have been well rewarded and enjoyed the, the sort of finer things in life. Yeah, definitely. And then to, to not have that, it can be really tough. And I, I've almost been in positions where I haven't climbed out of the hole. And I know people that have, have never climbed out of the hole. They never, they've maybe not even financially, but they stay bitter and they, they say, oh, I'm going to get back at them and I'm going to get yeah, my revenge yeah. and all that yeah. stuff. And, um, I, I, was there any, you know, you've, you've spoken about this, this amazing, you know, inspirational journey from, from there to where you are now. What, was there a secret to it? Did you, did you just think I need to start again? Like what was there, was there a mindset shift? What happened? Yeah, look, there was one big defining moment to be, to be honest. Um, so when I started, uh, I realised that I didn't want to go back into the financial services world, um, despite having lots of offers to do so. Um, so I started down there, you know, wanted to do the business uh, consulting. So I was off to a training session in Auckland one day, and I was low. I, I think we'd just got a legal letter around something. You know, the bills were starting to come in. I mean, my legal bill was, I don't know, 250 grand or something crazy like that, you know. I had no... Just, we should have both definitely got into law. That was the mistake we all right? made. <laughs> and look, so, I was lucky. Yeah. My lawyer was uh, Graham. Um, Alvin was just, he's just fantastic mm. you know he looked after me very well um, but I didn't realize how low I was and um, basically long story short driving up Auckland motorway um, the car just magically went up to 150k an hour heading straight to a, a, um, a pylon mm. and um, mate that was I don't know what it was um, I can't describe the feeling at the time but something pulled me aside and I pulled over the side of motorway burst into tears mm. and it was at that moment I, I hit what I call the fuck it switch you know, yep. like, fuck, Phil, things have got to change, mate. That's mm. not where you want to be. You want to see your girls grow up. You know, you want to be a good husband. You want to be a good father. You want to help people. you got to sort your shit out. Mm. Um, and so it was out of that that I, I started really focusing on on myself, on my mindset, um, and met some, you know, again, it's the old story of you, the journey. You know, you mm. meet people. When you're ready it and you're open for it, you meet the right people. And yeah. through that journey, I met some right people that helped me to really understand myself. Mm. Um, and to understand, like, why, why am I here? You know, what's my what's my motivation in life? And, mm. and that's, for example, the tattoo that I've got there. So it's got love, freedom, legacy. Um, so to be quite frank, that tattoo mm. saved my life. Um, and the reason why I got it tattooed there was it's visual. Right, I can't, I can't miss it. Mm. <laughs> and so that was to remind me, what am I here? Love, you know. And, and ironically, I, you know, with my coaching business, I called it Love Your Business. Mm. You know, so not exactly a blokely name for a coaching business, but actually that's what what we're all about. Yeah, you know, love what you do. Love, love your business. You know. Mm. Um, and then the freedom aspect, I didn't really fully understand because um, to me, back in the day. And remember having come from a financial planning background, whereas a young fella I was dealing with millions and millions and millions of dollars, mm. I became quite a new immune to the numbers. Um, and so freedom used to be around, uh, for me, around money. Uh, yep. Now freedom, funny thing is now I've changed freedom to the freedom to be me, the freedom to help people, the freedom to do what I want to do. Mm. Um, the money's comes, right? Um, and then legacy, I never quite understood legacy. Why am I always wanting to help people? And mm. you know, oh, at one point, I think I was on like four charitable boards, and and I just burnt out from that. But realizing that actually, this is what I'm here for. So drawn to the business coaching, consulting, mm. and even leaving a legacy now. You know, um, with my Nokia is around, you know, growing that to help New Zealand soils and and helping Michael achieve his vision around that. Mm. It's all about legacy as well. You know, we've grown from nine staff to thirty now, 
and seeing people flourish and grow, that's legacy. Mm. Uh, seeing my kids all flourish and, and you know, and, and them watching mum and dad really flourishing, that's legacy. You know, so the, I really started that journey of understanding mm. who I am and why I'm on this planet and also understanding, you know, the little voice in my head. You know, all of that stuff just really helped me to be who I am today. I love that. And I'll tell you why, Phil. And I promise there's no, no bullshitting going on here. I've been on a similar journey to you and I've pulled myself, I wasn't heading for a pylon, but I was, I was certainly heading for, for the edge of a very, a very big drop to the floor. Um, as part of my journey, I've got three words as well. And you'll never guess what they are. <laughs> Love, freedom and legacy. Nice, nice. Which is, uh, that's probably a, a, an off-air conversation, but I think it's, it's so true about working out exactly what it is that we're here for and yeah I was I was just the same I was working that financial world I had the Porsche on the driveway I was so sad and just scared the whole time and out of control and everything but nothing right yeah exactly and I hated I had no control over my life I had this and then if a client calls up you're like oh gotta go gotta run gotta do this and and it's crazy how we we all say and I've got to be honest with you like I do miss those days sometimes, like having that, that fun, as I thought, I wanted financial freedom. Yes. And I kind of miss that sometimes still when, um, yeah, I missed the Porsche, but there you go. Got great happiness instead. Of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's true. I think that we all, we all want different things, but, but it, not always in the way that, that we believe. And I think that that's such a powerful thing. And with the whole, the, 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 the business side and the coaching side, I wanted to ask, what may be a slightly strange question, just because one of my clients was saying this to me this morning. In the current world, there's, there's I think, a, a focus on, on coaching, which is really good for, for a number of people and, and you know, on, on the business side and the personal development side. Someone messaged me this morning and they said, ah, oh, I feel worse after coaching, not better. And they weren't my coaching client, I hasten to add. But um, cause I think there's something around we can get, so many different people's opinions. I think in the world, you know, if, if someone's saying, I want to start a business, I want to make changes in my life, I want that love, freedom, and legacy. Yeah. And then you go on social media and someone's saying something. And then you talk to your parents and they say something. And a business coach says one thing and a different business coach says something else. Mm-hmm. I think if people aren't careful, they get so many opinions. And you may have had that when you were trying to work out what to do. Absolutely. It's like, how, how do you kind of shut out all the noise and just say, this is what I want. I'm going to go and, and try and make it happen. Yeah, that's, look, that's a really good one because a lot of people just get paralyzed in indecision mm. or they fear to make a decision because you're going to either go against somebody's advice or thoughts um, or you don't back yourself. Um, yeah. And for me, one of my, I call it green zone and red zone, right? So mm. green zone being my love, freedom and legacy, but my red zone is you also got to understand where your fears come from. Mm. And so for me, there was a confusion piece, right? And, and so the big part of that is learning to trust your gut. You know, inherently we all know. And so over the years I've learned, for example, if it comes up, up into my mouth, sort of mm. or down, that's my gut feeling, that's my intuition. If it comes mm. in my, weird enough my right ear, right, I know that's what I call the inner critic. It's that little voice that is whacking me. Interesting. Right? So it's taken me a while to learn that. Mm. Um, but one of the exercises I've given with people is that is what I call that yes-no facilitation, which, you, mm. which I do it myself all the time, right? Yeah. And it's amazing how many people go into a restaurant, oh, you know, they can't, can't mm. even pick something off the menu, right? Yeah. Do I want this yes or no? Trust the mm. person that comes up, right? Um, and the same thing when you're getting all this advice, you know, you, there's a t- point in time where if you can't trust your gut, mm. you can't trust your intuition, you shouldn't be doing it. Yeah. It, and there's your answer, you know. Definitely. Um, and it also comes down to coaching. If you leave a coaching session and you're worse, sometimes that's a good thing. 
Mm. Because you know, a good coach needs to be able to press those buttons for you to start to think like, "Jeepers, maybe I am doing this." Yeah, you know, may, maybe it is my whether it be that red zone and a critic. Maybe I am sabotaging things. That's the biggest thing I see on business owners. Mm. Sabotage. Why? Why is that? Because we don't trust. Uh-huh. You know, you got to learn to actually trust yourself first. Mm. Um, and most people are evidence based, right? Yeah. So I've got to get approval from my accountant, my business coach, my lawyer, my banker, my my step, you know, everywhere. I've got to get all that approval to find the evidence that I'm on the right track. Mm. Versus, um, you know, what I to myself now is I trust first and then the evidence comes, you know. And But that's a big shift for a lot of people and it was certainly a big shift for myself. Yeah. Um, is waiting for everybody else's approval, i.e. evidence, mm. before I actually took the plunge or, or made a decision, you know. I've, I've been there myself as well, and you so say you you keep asking people and keep saying, "Oh, you know how how am I gonna? You know, should I do this or should I do that? So, what is option A or option B?" And then the more people you ask, then the, the more confused you get, and it, it just then you have the sleepless nights, so and then you just think, I don't want to do anything, and yeah. that's how we get paralysed and, and never take any action. And the other thing too, I think, um, is around keeping things simple. You know, and there's a world today where we just overcate overcomplicate the fuck out of everything let's yeah. be honest you know both in our thought process but we've also got so much information available to us mm. you know and so many opinions everywhere that we just over complicate things like keep it simple man definitely you know, like do I want to do this yes or no yes right do I have the funds to do this yes or no do it, you know like just keep mm. life simple I love that and I think in a world that seems to be more and more complicated all of the yeah. time then uh, then yeah it's a, that whole simple approach is uh, I always say people have made successes of their lives you know in in the last 50 years the last 100 years they've followed their dreams and yep. it doesn't have to be you know, crazy and complicated it's the way it's like having kids like people have had kids for about hundreds of thousands of years you don't need all the kind of 4D scans and whatever it is they do these days Totally agree. And so, in terms of, of following your your instincts and uh, and and just say, I, you know, trusting yourself as a business coach, when you were speaking to, to all the different business owners and your clients and so on, why was it when you got to my nookie and you thought there's something different here? Because um, you must have had other opportunities in, in before that with with you know, in all the businesses that you came across. Why? What made you think that let's go for this? Yeah, look, there's probably two or three things uh, that were floating around that led to that that chapter or that door being open. Um, and as I mentioned before, one was just, to be honest, and quite frank, I was probably a bit burnt out from all the COVID coaching mm. um, and probably looking for a change. Um, so there's probably that scenario, I put it out there, that came. Mm. Um, the second one was definitely Michael's passion. Uh, you know, he's 15 years an entrepreneur. He's a, you know, he's a PhD scientist in mm. soil who had a vision, um, and, you know, he's been toiling away for 15 years, you know, mm. which is, uh, is, 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 a, is a decent period of time. Yeah, it is. Um, but his vision and his um, his enthusiasm just really, really sparked that in me. Mm. And then the third one really is, is a, it's just linking to that legacy theme. You know, like, man, I could see the potential in the business. It, mm. it wasn't being run the way it should be at the time. Um, it had so much potential sitting there. And, and I just thought, you know, actually, if I can just get my sink my teeth into a project where I know is just is going to grow. Mm. Um, and that, that was a third appealing part. So, um, yeah, it was it was time for a change. And what, what challenges did you face when you went into this business? And so not from a, from a financial planning and insurance background, going to what you talk about, you know, literally stepping out of your comfort zone and 
yeah, from the office into the Vermicast, how Basically. how did you feel? What what challenges were you having to overcome on, in those first early days? Yeah, to be honest, it was all excitement. Um, you know, meeting all the team at this seat at the time, we had about nine staff. Mm. You know, going on site, meeting all the boys there, and and seeing what they're doing, um, and learning. You know, I just love walking around, Michael, listening to them, um, and soaking up all that knowledge. Mm. Um, as I said, never thought I'd get excited about worms, right? <laughs> um, and then, uh, you know, there was a lot of challenges to start off with. Um, you know, the, as I said, the company wasn't in a great position. Uh, the systems weren't really there. Um, essentially, I had a black laptop to start off with, you know. Um, but there was also the exciting part. So it's also the way you look at stuff, you know. Um, I could go, oh, my God, the company's, you know, struggling, or this is happening, or that's happening, mm. versus looking at going, well, actually, we've got a blank sheet of paper yeah. now we can design what we want to you know so mm. uh, that, and that's where i hear to now it's like we're in, right this is what we need to do you know and so in 18 months um we literally turned the company around uh doubled it in sales uh, and now we're working we've got three sites operating at the moment now we're working on another 10 amazing uh, we've got 30 staff now and, and about, out of the 30 staff about five of them now are solely there for the growth of the company mm. you know i mean that's just fantastic we're putting in patents on different things now the you know, Michael's in heaven at the moment because he, he's a scientist. Mm. He wants to work on that stuff. He doesn't want to be doing accounting and, and all the other stuff. Mm. Get the right people to do that. Uh, I think that's a really powerful point as well because I've I've looked into this a lot. And my, my personal theory is, yeah, you look at successful. I'm doing the air quotes. It doesn't work on a podcast. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, people that are successful. And, and I always say, look, let's, um, uh, yeah, let's take Warren Buffett, Elon Musk, Richard Branson, Oprah, J.K. Rowling, all amazingly successful, but by doing what they're naturally talented at Absolutely. and what they right? exactly. And you know, if um, if if J.K. Rowling said, right, I need to be an investment banker, then um, she would never have been as successful. Or if Warren Buffett was like, ah, oh, I need to write fictional books about a boy wizard, would never <laughs> be would never have been successful. And and in a way, I find that quite quite weirdly scary in that it's a real message that if we don't follow our path then you know, literally the world can change because th- these people can have impact what you're doing has you know we talk about the you know, climate change and impact and the um and, and michael as you say if if he spent his uh, his business and his career say oh god you've got to be doing the accounting and, and clearly not in his you know, area of excellence then then the business might have folded or and i think that that's the, the real power of, of what you do it's helping people to to do what they're amazing at and, and give them that space to do it yeah 100 percent. and yeah one of the first things i said to michael Marlin is don't bring me on if you don't want to grow mm. you know I'm, I'm a grow guy i love to see stuff grow motivating people to grow Mm. Um, that's that's what I love doing. So that's what I love doing, right? Yeah. And then by doing that, then frees Michael up to do what he loves doing, which is all around the soils and the science and and coming up with new ideas and thoughts mm. and things like that, right? And so he's now in his bliss doing what he's doing. Mm. That's the way it should be, you know. Definitely. And what what's your view on the whole following your passion cliche? Because I know a lot of people that have that have firstly struggled, they're always like, oh, what am I passionate about? I want to follow my passion. And they're usually stuck in kind of more yeah. corporate roles. And they're like, I'm not passionate about this. I'm going to find my passion, follow my passion. And they either never find it or they find it and then it turns into a job and they start to hate their passion. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, or there's some other combination of that. And there's also the, the school of thought that I'm becoming more and more aligned to, which is find the passion in whatever you're doing. 
Where where do you sit with it all? Yeah, look, both really, to be honest. Um, mm. I mean, one of the big things I found is a lot of people get stuck in the how. You know, so how, you know, all of a sudden the how comes up and then any passion or any dream disappears. You know, it's like any goal. I want to I want to walk the PCT trail, for example. Mm. Oh, but how am I going to take a year, six months off and da-da-da, right? Everybody gets stuck in the how. So my first thing is just forget the how. What is it? And I always say to clients, go to the beach, take a bottle of wine, sit there and forget the how, no how's to be mentioned. What are the things you, you what, what are the things that really get you excited? Mm. Right? And even just in your day-to-day life, what are the bits where you light up on, right? Because yeah. out of that, there might be a passion sitting there. Mm. But it's also a mindset shift, mindset shift to go, well, actually, I choose to be what I would call that green zone. I choose to go to whatever job it is and, 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 and inject me into there. Mm. And look, if it's a job that you can't inject yourself into, then you are in the wrong job. Simple yeah. as that, right? But be you, you know. Um, mm. I mean, you know, there's there's people you see in the world um, that that are just having such amazing fun being a postie, yeah. or being something that people would consider maybe a, a boring or tedious job, and you see them having fun. Mm. You know, a lot of the roadwork guys, when they're spinning the signs around and doing that, hey man, he, you know, he's having fun. Definitely. You know? And 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 the impact that it has on others is huge. Mm. Um, so you know, to me, it's about yes, find a passion. Um, what I see at the moment though is a lot of people have a perceived passion. The reality is that you're never going to be able to monetize it, mm. you know? and so they struggle, struggle, struggle. They lose the passion when, in fact, they, they might have been better to do it as a side hustle. Yeah. Um, but you're 100 right. Take the passion to work, mm. whatever that is, you know, and, and and treat that as part of your journey. Definitely. As I said, to, I did a lecture the other day to a whole lot of young students, mm. and I was just like, you know, you will start somewhere. Be grateful for that. I mean, I started as the bum boy to my receptionist <laughs> in, back in the financial planning days, right? Mm. But geez, but what a great start! You know, yeah. I learned that whole business from the ground up. Mm. Now I didn't quite start as a worm farmer; I sort of went straight to the GM <laughs> role. But you know, I'm um, mm. always learning about what happens, and it's it's about trusting that journey. Definitely. Know? And I also said, look, what, what's the one thing I looked for for hiring? Attitude. Mm. Simple Love as it. that. You know, if you have got the right attitude, the willingness to ask questions and learn, the willingness to accept that when you're wrong or you've you've, you've stuffed up, mm. you know, those are all the things I'm looking for. Uh, and, and somebody coming up, and I'll give any young person that chance. Um, but attitudes, everything you can teach, everything else. I love that. I think the same. And I, I think back to to my younger days. And um, I mean, you know, I, I ran across the Sahara Desert a few years ago. And oh, wow. When I signed up for it, I couldn't run a kilometre. Yep. And it was that whole kind of like, if you're not, it's so easy to get overwhelmed by the how and the where you are and where you want to get to. The gap feels too big. But if you just start taking, like literally, in my case, that first step and then break it down, there's, there's always a way, I believe, if if, if you Absolutely. truly believe. I think that, yeah, that the hard work and everything does does apply as well, but that all comes down to attitude. You've got to put the mahi in life, right? Yeah, exactly. I think it, it's, it's great. And someone said to me, um, yeah, if you turn up on time, if you have a good attitude, if you do what you say you're going to do, You've put yourself in the top five percent already, hundred percent, and uh, and all of that is just being willing to to learn and everything else. Absolutely. Um, and as we we come to to the end now, Phil, you, you talked about um, a lot about legacy and you know what you're you're here to do. And if you look at the the, the future of the business and and the future of your life, what are you here to do, and, and what's next for you? Yeah, cool. I mean, legacy, as I said, is a, is a big theme. Um, and certainly with my Nokia, is, uh, you know, we're, we're going in a pretty cool direction at the moment. Mm. As I said, we're working on 10 new sites across New Zealand that could lead worldwide as well. You know, we're going to be growing our staff base to probably close to 100 over the next uh, two to three years. Mm. Um, you know, we've just launched a program called Akua My Nokia, which 
which is my Nuki learning, you know, because I can't just go to a polytech, for example, <laughs> and go, oh, I need, you know, 10 new worm farmers. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we've got to create that ourselves. Mm. So, you know, really creating a learning platform for the diversity in our team. You know, mm. um, we've got PhD scientists, we've got young fellows left school at 13, you know. Um, yeah. You know, it's all around bringing our team together as a community and growing everybody. And, you know, hopefully one of them will take over my job one day, you know, which is fantastic. Amazing. Um, and that, that to me is about that legacy, you know, seeing the belief in a lot of our team's eyes. Mm. You know, like we had a, a young fella came to us out of the bush, you know, and, and he was broken. Mm. You know, head down and he just didn't believe. Um, less than a year later now he's in our trainee site manager program, big grin on his face, loving what he's doing, always saying, Phil, I'll go to any site around New Zealand, you know, just that mm. keenness. And, and to me that's the legacy, you know, and if nice. I, that can impact one person. Mm. But I just don't want to impact one person, you know. <laughs> Ultimately, I want to have seventy of the team that all have that belief that they could they could take my job. Yeah, and that's the that's the way it should be, you know. That's amazing. Putting putting not only the the planet but also the the country and the business in the best possible place for, for for the next generation to to take over. Phil, it's been amazing talking to you. We do have a tradition here on Taming the Ferrets, which I haven't told you about, which is the final secret question. And that is where the, the previous guest gets to write a question for the next guest, oh, which awesome. is you. So I, as I reach, as I reach down to, to get the secret question book, and I haven't seen this question either. So, um, so let's see what it is this week. Ah, interesting one. So... If you weren't doing what you're doing now, what would you like to be doing? Oh, that is an interesting question. At the moment, I can't imagine doing anything different. Um, but to be honest, I'd probably still be coaching. Mm. You know, business coaching and, and, and the mind development coaching for business owners. Uh, that, that's the, it's still a passion. Mm. Um, and I may head back to that one day as well. But uh, at this stage, mate, I'm just totally in love with what I'm doing. Amazing. I think being totally in love with what you're doing and not change anything, that is a wonderful place to be. Absolutely. Phil, it's been a pleasure having you here on Taming the Ferrets. If if people want to find out more about you, if they want to find out more about the business, how do they get in touch? Yeah, probably the easiest thing is on LinkedIn. Um, I'm pretty easy to find on there. Love my LinkedIn. Um, and around the business, uh, just look us up, uh, mynuki.co.nz, um, on Instagram, Facebook and all that sort of jazz as well. But that, that's the best place to look. Amazing. And I'm going to, if I'm allowed, I will come down as well. I'll uh, always like checking out some uh, some worms and learning about learning about my vermicast. So, um, so that'd be great. We do have, actually have a monthly public tour in uh, Taupo. Really? Um, so that, you know, anybody can come along and, and have a look. We, we, we show everything yeah. from how it all works to uh, normally lasts about two hours. So if you go on our website, it's on there as well. Anybody can book in and come and have a look. Amazing. My kids would love that. So I will, I'll definitely be there in Taupo for the next awesome. one. Phil, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on Taming the Ferrets. And we'd love to have you back for, for a part two soon. But um, but for now, thank you for being part of the show. Awesome. Thanks. And thanks for having me. Cool. Thank you. Like what you hear? Don't forget to follow us on social media at Taming the Ferrets. And to give us five stars on your podcast provider. We're New Zealand's best kept secret. But don't be afraid of sharing us with the world. This has been a WTF experience. Discover more of your favourite shows and learn how to launch your very own podcast at wtfproductions.nz. 